We will begin our study in just a moment in 3 John. If you have your Bible, open it up to the small letter that we have towards the end of the New Testament in 3 John while you're turning there. Thank you again for being here today. It's been a great day. Uh, I hope and pray you have been encouraged. I've been encouraged and hope that we're also being challenged as we study the Word of God together in our Bible classes and as we study as we go through the Word of God through uh, lessons like we're going to have here in just a moment. I am always encouraged to see so many brothers and sisters in Christ. And I got to tell you, I had a really encouraging conversation right before we got started uh, for this last portion of our time together. Uh, I asked a sister if I could share this, and she said that I could. Um, She had just shared with me how she has recognized in her life that she hasn't, I guess, essentially been doing as much as she could with respect to coming to worship services. Uh, And not just for the necessarily one part, but to be here for all the worship services. And I told her I was really encouraged to hear that, that she has recognized some things and that she's striving to improve, to to be at all the worship services. And if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, I made a couple of comments from the pulpit and uh, the elder sent out an email really encouraging us. Let's be here for all the services. And I'm not talking about uh, individuals that are traveling or have health issues or things that can, that can hinder. But there are some times where we may just get a little bit relaxed and we just kind of say, okay, I'll, I'll get there, but I'll get there at this particular time. And let's do all we can to be together at all the services, all the family at all the services. Let's encourage one another. And I'll just say this, you know, if, if we are choosing not to be here at 9 o'clock or for Bible class, uh, not because something is holding us back, really the question we have to ask ourselves is why? Well, what is so, what's going to be more important than being together each first day of the week with the saints? So I was really encouraged to hear this sister as she has recognized that she's grown somewhat weak and she needs to, to make some changes and is striving to, to be more with, uh, with her brothers and sisters in Christ each Sunday. Uh, God bless you and let's encourage one another as we gather here each first day of the week. Well, we'll begin our study here in Third John in just a moment. What we find in this small little letter is a prayer, a prayer of love, a prayer of concern, a prayer that I believe we all need to consider. If you have your Bible, let's read together the first two verses. The Bible says, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. We find the Apostle John writing to a man named Gaius. There are a number of other passages, at least three other references in Acts chapter 19, if you're taking notes, uh, in verse 29, in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 4, in Romans 16 and verse 23, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, where Russ read our Bible reading this morning, where we see the name Gaius. Uh, if it's the same one, I'm not for sure, but we see this name, Gaius, found in a couple of other books, and now we find John writing to a brother in Christ named Gaius. And while we may not know if this is the, the same man that we find in those other passages, we do know some things about John and his relationship with this man. Number one, he loved this man. He, that makes it very, he makes it very clear. He said, beloved. He had a relationship with this individual here. When you turn over and look at verse 14, Uh, At the end of the letter, he says, but I hope to see you shortly and we will speak face to face. And so we know that John and this man, they had a relationship with one another. They had a spiritual relationship. They loved each other. And John had a desire desire to, to be with him. We know something else. 
we know that the apostle was praying for this brother in Christ. He said, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Is your soul prospering? This small prayer that we have from John, or this mention of John praying for this brother in Christ, I think has some really important thoughts for us to consider when it comes to prayer, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to what we are focused upon in our lives on a regular basis. And so I want to begin just by looking at this this verse in verse number two, and I want those to be our points of consideration this morning, because I believe there are some powerful things for us to consider. So if you go back and look at verse number two, John says to this man, or said to this man, he said, Beloved, I pray. And we can't overlook the fact that John was a man of prayer. John was a man who prayed, no doubt, he prayed fervently. We see him praying for his brother. Brothers and sisters, prayer is something that we should never forget. And praying for one another is something that we need to be doing on a regular basis. We know that John and the other disciples or the other apostles, they prayed on a regular basis. We go back to Acts chapter 1, please. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus ascended back into heaven, and I just want to share with you uh, a, a number of scriptures here that really emphasize this point. In, John, in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had ascended back into heaven, you find the apostles in verse number 13 all gathered together. They had entered the city uh, of Jerusalem. They went up to the upper room where they were staying. And then in verse 14 it says, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This was just who they were. They, they would gather together on a regular basis to pray. In chapter 2 and verse 42 We find that early Christians, this is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine or teaching in verse number 42 and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the Bible says to prayer. This was something that their mind was focused upon. After Peter and John began to have some persecution going out into the world, look over in Acts chapter 4, we find that as they gathered back together with the other apostles, that what did they do? They prayed, and they prayed fervently. Acts chapter 4 is one of the most powerful prayers, or in this chapter you read one of the most powerful prayers in verse 24. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And, and they would go on. And when you drop down to verse number, verse number 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. John was a man of prayer. This wasn't the only time he was praying with respect to in Third John. This was a part of his life, so much so that in Acts chapter 6 and verse number 4 and 5, even when there was a little bit of disruption among God's people, the apostles said, look, we're going to appoint some men that will take care of this, but we must remain focused on our job, on our task. They said in verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's how important prayer was. It, it was not an afterthought. It wasn't just something that... They kind of got around to do when they had time. It was something that they made time for. It was something that was a part of their daily schedule, their daily lives. In Acts chapter 12, when Peter was in prison, in Acts chapter 12, we find that the saints, again, they were praying. They're praying for the life of Peter now in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 5. 
The Bible says, so Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. You can hear and read the intensity. Prayer was being made fervently by the church of God. Brothers and sisters, that's the mindset that we need to have. Even now, in 3 John, the apostle is praying for a brother who evidently is in need of some things. If you read the bulletin this morning, I spoke about whether or not we will be people of prayer. Will we pray for one another? As brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to pray for one another. As we seek out to live one heart, one soul, we are going to have to be people of prayer. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just John. We, we see this all throughout the New Testament. Look over in James chapter 5. While there are many things to unpack in James chapter 5, and this whole section would, be, would make a great study uh, in some shape or form, I just want you to notice how many times James speaks about prayer and the fact that prayer accomplishes much. In James chapter 5 and verse 13, James said, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, it will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, going back to Kings. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured out rain, or poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Over and over again, we see the emphasis upon prayer. Do we believe that prayer indeed can accomplish much? Do we truly buy into this? that we ought to be people of prayer, that on a regular basis we should be praying for one another in a variety of aspects. That's the mindset that we really need to have. You look over in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus taught how to pray and, and where our mindset should be in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9, beginning in verse number 9. He said, actually back in verse number 8, he said, so do not be like them. Talking about those who, when they prayed in verse 7, they used meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, uh, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. He said, do not be like them, for your father, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So he knows what we need before we ask him, and yet he still wants us to come to him. He still wants us to come to him in prayer. And he would go on to say, pray then in this way. The fact that Jesus is teaching them how to pray To pray in this way means that prayer had to be on their minds. That it wasn't just something that they can just, you know, later on I'll get to that. No. He's teaching them, you pray in this way. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. How will it be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The fact that Jesus spoke so much about prayer is an indication that prayer is important and that it will or can accomplish much. 
In Luke chapter 18, Jesus spoke again about prayer. And this time he says something to us that we really need to consider and to ponder and ask ourselves, are, are we doing what Jesus wants us to do? In Luke chapter 18 and verse number 1, Jesus said this. He said, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. They ought to pray and not to lose heart. I did a sermon on this back in 2018. That they ought to pray at all times and not to lose heart. That needs to be the kind of faith that we have. That we are persistent in our prayers. That it's not kind of a get around to it after everything else is done. No, this needs to be something first and foremost in our lives. We should be people of prayer. To the point that what Paul said, that we pray without ceasing. That needs to be our mindset. According to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. Instead of complaining and gossip and coarse jesting flowing from our lips... Prayers should be flowing from our lips. Prayers, petitions to God, thanksgiving, praise to God. In fact, Paul would even help Timothy and others to understand some of the things that they needed to pray for. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1 and 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul's going to talk about this where he says, I want you to pray for everybody. You pray for all men. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1. He said, first of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. For kings and all who are in authority. Don't ever say, I don't know what to pray for. There's a lot for us to be praying about, okay? He's making that very clear. For kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life and all godliness and dignity. So even, Tim, even Paul emphasized this over and over again. This is what we see. The apostles were men of prayer. Uh, the Christian women during this time, they were women of prayer. We go back to Third John. John begins this small little letter to his beloved, his brother in Christ, and he tells him, I'm praying for you. And I think that's something really important for us to consider. I love the fact that he told him, I am praying for you. And he told him exactly what he was praying for. He didn't just say, I'm praying for you, but he said, I'm praying that, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm praying for, for basically everything in your life. I'm praying for you. Don't you love it when someone tells you that they are praying for you? That makes me feel good. And even when they say, look, here's why I'm praying for you, or this is what I am praying for you. I think that's something very powerful. And that really is the, the, the mindset that we should have, one heart, one soul. We pray for one another and even go a little bit further sometimes and let each other know, I'm praying for you. Prayer is something that should be a part of who we are. So let me ask you a question, and this applies to, to me as well. Have we been praying? Have we been persistent in our prayers? Have we been praying with great faith? Have we been praying for one another? Are we considering one another and remembering that we're all in a spiritual battle, that we need each other and we need one another's prayers? John said, beloved, I pray. He prayed for his brother in Christ. Let's make sure that we do the same. Notice, secondly, what else he said. He told Gaius, and he tells us or helps us to see what he was praying for as well. I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. I love the sound of that, don't you? I pray that you may prosper and be in good health. So that gives us a little bit more insight, although we may not know 
uh, if this was the same Gaius from other passages, we learn some things with the prayer of John. It's interesting how John is praying that in all respects, that his prayer is that this brother in Christ would prosper. I think that would entail things like his family, if he had a family, his financial situation. In all respects, he said, I am praying for you. And he's going to talk about his health as well. I'm praying that you have good health as well, that you, uh, you will prosper in your health. And these are things that, that one can pray for. John is praying for this, for his brother. You think about what Jesus prayed or, or taught with respect to what we are to pray and, and making requests to God. He talked about asking God for our daily needs back in Matthew chapter 6. And the saints, if you remember back in Acts chapter 12, they are praying fervently for Peter. What are they praying for? I think they're praying that his life might be spared. And so they want him certainly to, to be able to get past this difficult situation, this life or death situation. We're not going to read it, but back in Isaiah chapter 38, Hezekiah, after he receives news by the prophet Isaiah that he is about to die, he turns to God weeping bitterly. And he prays. He's praying about his, his physical condition. And God is going to grant him 15 more years. And that would be a great benefit for him and for his kingdom. We don't know the details surrounding this brother in Christ in Third John. But we can conclude that these prayers were necessary. This is something that John knows. He's aware of this situation. Whatever those situations and challenges may have been. May have been. In the first century, they didn't have all the medication and the physicians and things like that that we have here. And so maybe, maybe Gaius was in a dire situation. And while this is good, there are some things to think about as well. While praying for others, whether it's for prosperity in all respects and even in good health, I think at times there can be a danger to consider, a danger that we need to, to talk about just for a little bit. It is often the case, at least maybe when we pray more for ourselves, maybe not necessarily even for others, but maybe for ourselves even more, that as we start talking about this idea of praying for, for prosperity and praying for health, that we can kind of go down a path, or people at least will begin to go down a path of the idea of health and wealth gospel. The idea that many people preach that, okay, if you follow Jesus, then you're guaranteed to have all these things that are going to be given to you. And if you, if you just follow him, then, then you're going to prosper and you're going to become a, a millionaire or whatever the case may be. You listen to preachers on TV or read their books, and many times that's what they seem to emphasize more than anything else, this idea of prospering uh, financially and things like that. And while we can pray for this, for others and even ourselves, and we should certainly be thinking about intentions along with this, there are some things in the Word of God that we need to remember. It is not a guarantee when someone follows Jesus that all of their situations are now just, all of their difficulties are just going to be gone. That's not what's promised to us at all. In fact, what we are promised is that we're going to suffer as we follow Jesus Christ. And we're reminded in Hebrews 9 and verse 27 that it is appointed for us once to die. That while we do want to live a good long life, this is something that will happen to us one day. And not only that, but you think about what Jesus said. And Jesus, uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33 and verse number 34, the, in the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about not worrying. He, he reminded the saints in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 34, he reminded the saints that God knows what you need. 
And he is going to provide for the very things that you need. But he emphasized, you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Something else that is interesting, that is so much emphasized or emphasized often in the word of God, is actually the danger of of the love of money and the danger of greed at times. Look over in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, the the story that Jesus used here when uh, he had this interaction with uh, with a couple of brothers in Luke chapter twelve and verse number fifteen Jesus is going to warn uh, them about the danger of greed in Luke chapter twelve and verse number uh, start back in verse number thirteen someone in the court said to, in the crowd said to him teacher tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me but he said to him man who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you Then he said to them, beware, beware, and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has enough abundance or has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. This is what is often emphasized in the word of God. Yes, John was praying that he would prosper in all respects and in good health. But let's be sure that there, uh, and understand that sometimes there can be a danger with this where so many people seem to focus solely on this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, remember what Paul said here. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse number 6, Paul is going to remind us ultimately where our focus needs to be. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6, Paul said this. He said, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, So we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. No doubt we we need certain things. And God knows what we need and he is going to provide that. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. But we're also being reminded on making sure that we have the proper focus. He said, but those, in verse 9, who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It is a danger, as he talks about this idea of the love of money. And no mistake about it, in verse 17, there were many Christians during this time, Christians who were rich, who were prospering, in all respects. He said, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited. So there's still a warning. You, you, you got to be careful with this. Not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Our focus and our hope and our faith is ultimately on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. John prayed that in all respects, Gaius would prosper and would be in good health. I think that's a great prayer for us to think about as we, as we pray for one another. Uh, will you pray for me and my health? I got my defibrillator checked uh, last month. Thank the Lord, things are going well. I'm on device number two. But the good news is they said I got about 10 years of battery life left. That's pretty good, right? Uh, and the lead is still attached to the heart, which is a great thing as well. But I'm praying for good health because there's, there's much things to do. There's a lot of things to do in the kingdom of God and for my family and for others. And, and this is what we want. 
Uh, so we can pray for these things and to prosper in all respects. John was praying this, and this is something indeed we can pray for as well. And yet let's be careful about the mindset that we have because sometimes many people focus way too much on those things. And the reason why I say all of this is because when you go back to Third John, it is interesting, at least to me, where John, he concludes at least this thought here, where he, he said to Gaius, I pray, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. And that's where my sermon title came from. Is your soul prospering? I love what he said. I am praying for you that in all respects, in all your health, that you will prosper just or in the same manner, that's what it sounds like, in the same manner, just as your soul is prospering, that you will prosper in the same manner with all of these other issues as well. And what a powerful thought. We know some things about this brother here. We know that he was a faithful brother. And the fact that John prays that he prospers in all respects and that they would be just as great, that's what it sounds like to me, that just as he is prospering the same measure and the same level spiritually, that, they, that he would prosper in that same way as well, that says a lot about his spiritual welfare. It says a lot about where he is or was in his faith with God. What did that look like, though? How, in what way was his soul prospering? There's no doubt about it. He may have been lacking some things or in need of some things with respect to material and health, but John is making it very clear. No, your soul is prospering, and I want you to prosper in every other area just as your soul is doing as well. Well, all you got to do is look at the very next verse. Look at the very next verse. He said in verse 3, For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. Isn't that interesting? What do we know about this man? He loves the truth. He's walking in the truth. And other people see this. It's not just, not just John. He's hearing this from other people. I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. You look in 2 John and verse number 6. 2 John and verse number 6, turn back a page. He said this, and he said, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. So we know something else about this man. He loved God. He's walking in the truth. He's keeping the commandments of God. His soul was prospering. We know this to be true because of what John says here. But wait, there's more. You look at verse number 5. He says, look at verse number 5. He said, Beloved, you are acting faithfully. Think about that. You're acting faithfully. Wouldn't you love an apostle to say that to you? You are acting faithfully. You're acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren and especially when they are strangers. What a compliment. He's complimenting this brother in Christ. He said, I know you're walking in the truth. I know you love the truth. And you're, you are faithful in all that you do. You love God's word. And you're striving to live in his word. And verse number six, he, he said this. He said, they have testified to your love before the church. That's his whole letter of 1 John. God is love. You love your brother and sister in Christ. Gaius, he's doing that. That's how his soul, that's what it looks like for our souls to prosper. 
This is what we find time and time again. He's rich in kindness. He's rich with respect to how he loves others. And this couldn't be said about every brother and sister in Christ because you get to verse number 9. and verse number 9, he said, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them. You see the difference? Diotrephes isn't trying to love the brethren in the proper way. He's trying to put himself in front of everybody else. He loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. And so not everyone was walking in the truth and acting faithfully and prospering with respect to their soul. Diotrephes had a major problem. And so it's no wonder then that John says that he prays that he will prosper in all respects and with his health just as his soul prospers. Hearing others talk about this passage, there's a question that is often raised, and I want to raise the same question. And the question is, would we want John to say the same prayer for us? If, if that's what he's trying to emphasize here, in the measure that your soul has been prospering, I want the rest of your life to prosper in that way as well. Would we want John to say this prayer for us? Would we want our physical blessings or our health to be on the same level, so to speak, as our soul is prospering? Well, if we are actually walking in the truth and walking in the light and striving to do the will of God, then I think we could say yes, but maybe that may not always be the case. And I think it leads just to a bigger question, how is our soul doing? Are we truly prospering spiritually? There's so much emphasis upon material prosperity and even health, and definitely, do not mistake what I'm saying, health is very important. And I want us to be healthy. But what about our souls? You go back to Luke chapter 12. The problem with the, the story of the man in Luke chapter 12, when Jesus told those individuals to beware of greed, in Luke chapter 12 in verse number 19, the story of the man who said, I, 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 here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build all of this. But then God said to him, well, he said in verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? He was prospering in all respects, except for the one place that he needed to. That was in respect to his soul. And that's why Jesus would say in verse number 21, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We can have many riches and prosper in a variety of ways, but are we rich toward God? While it's good to prosper in all respects, let us be sure that we are focused on that, being rich toward God. And I will say, at times, I think that can easily be overlooked. How do I know that? Well, because the Bible helps me to see that and helps you to see that as well. The best case study are the Israelites. You remember back in Deuteronomy chapter 8? Go back real quickly here, Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, remember God is preparing that new generation. And they're going to take the promised land, and he gives them instruction. We don't have time to read the first uh, the first uh, 10 verses, but when you read the first 10 verses, it's really, it's a lot of great news. It's a lot of prosperity and about keeping his commandments and about the things that they're going to have in the promised land, how God is going to bless them. But I want you to notice in verse number 11, and this is a theme that we're going to see in verse number 11. He said, beware. That sounds like what Jesus said, right? Beware. He said, beware 
of what? That you do not forget the Lord your God. How, how could they ever do that? That would never happen to God's people. Do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget, second time he says it, the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Verse 18. Actually, let's keep on reading in verse 16. In the wilderness, he talks about all the things that they would forget about how God had provided for them the manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. You see, now the emphasis is not upon God, but upon themselves. Look at what I have done. And he's saying, don't forget about me. And verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who's given you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God. The third time he's talking about forgetting God. If you forget me, And go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you that you will surely perish. It's great to prosper in a variety of ways in all respects. But are we going to prosper spiritually, our soul? The nation of Israel, they did well for for a decent amount of time. Go to the end of Joshua in Joshua chapter 24. The great leader, he reminded them of a couple of things. And the people said, listen, this is what we will do. He talked to them in verse number 15 about them choosing in verse number 16 and 17. He said in verse 16, the people answered, they answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. We're not going to do that. We're not going to forget him. He's the source of our prosperity. He's the one that has given us all of these things. Our focus will be upon him. But then when you get over to Joshua or Judges chapter 3 and verse number 17. And Judges chapter 3 and verse number 7, excuse me. Judges chapter 3 and verse number 7. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and they forgot the Lord their God. They forgot God, the source of all that they had. They didn't do his commandments. They didn't serve him and worship him in the manner that they, that they should have. They got fat. They had a lot of prosperity. They were rich, and that got in the way of them serving God, and they began to follow other idols or idol gods instead of the true and living God. And that wasn't the only occasion. In in Jeremiah chapter 2, look over in Jeremiah chapter 2, as the prophet spoke here, and I'll read this here to you real quickly here because I just want to make one point here. In Jeremiah chapter 2, he said in verse 32, Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire of course a bride when they get married they're not going to forget their wedding dress but then he says yet my people my people have forgotten me days without number they have forgotten me so why am i saying all of this so i'm saying all this brothers and sisters because they prospered in all respects they had much but they didn't really have what they needed to have they forgot god Their soul was not prospering. They didn't keep his commandments. They didn't put him first. There's a danger for us. Can we say, 
Or would we want John to say the prayer that he said for, for Gaius, that in the same way that your soul prospers, I pray that you prosper in all respects, and in, even in your health. Is my soul prospering? Do we still have a love for God where we desire his truth and to keep his truth? Do we still have a love for the brethren and desire to assist them? Are we still thinking about our soul and how we might be able to continue to prosper spiritually? Are we making the necessary steps and decisions on a daily basis? Look over in 2 Peter chapter 1, real quickly here. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5, Peter didn't have that much more time to live. And he's got to remind the saints of a couple of things. He said, now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence, knowledge and to your knowledge, self-control and in your self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. Then he said in verse eight, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, which means that we don't stop, we keep growing and we keep, do, we keep improving in our, our spiritual health, our walk with God. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Have we forgotten God? And where our focus truly should be with respect to our soul prospering have we forgotten what god has done for us if the israelites were asked that question they probably would have said no no of course we haven't forgotten god look at all the things we're doing but god said uh yes you have you know why it's hard to look in the mirror isn't it at times it's hard to say oh man yeah i really there are some changes i really do need to make yeah you know i i can i can see that i'm not where i really need to be that's hard to do it can be very easy to look at everybody else and say, they got a long ways to go. But when it comes to us, well, that's where we need to be focused. Where am I? Where are we in our faith with God? Is our soul prospering? Are we examining whether or not we're still in the faith? The prayer of John is powerful. And Gaius may have been struggling physically and, and financially, but you know what? That man was rich because he was prospering. His soul was Again, it's not to say that health and the material things that we need are not important. Of course they are. He's praying for those things. So don't misunderstand my point here. My point is, you know, we can, we can have all these other things, but are we rich spiritually? To sum it up, listen to what Jesus says here. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself you can have it all and still not really have what you really need that can happen if not careful let's work hard we know we have to work but man doesn't work neither shall he eat let's be good stewards of the bodies that god has given us and let's pray for wisdom with the things that he does provide us and bless us with that we'll know how to use in the proper way and let's make sure that our soul indeed is prospering. And when we do, we will be blessed. Can you say that your soul is right with God, that you are right with God? Are you saved? Are you in Jesus Christ? If you're not, you're not where you need to be. But the good news is you can. You can be saved today. You can be covered by the blood of Jesus. You can have all your sins washed away. 
if you're willing to turn away from your sins and to believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that he was risen from the grave. We'd love to study with you and help you with that. If you're a child of God, remember, you have it. You have, you have what you really need. Make sure you hold on to that. Let's stand and sing the song of invitation.